10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from London, this is The Sunday Late Show with Shaniqua Edwards-Hay and you are listening live. Welcome to The Late Late Show with me, Shaniqua Edwards-Hay. Today I'm joined by Education and Legal Policy Officer and Caseworker Declan O'Driscoll. Today we're discussing the hidden schooling crisis faced by children from Gypsy, Roma and Troubler communities. Why are schools still such hostile places for Gypsy, Roma Traveller children? This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or join in the conversation by downloading the Podbean app and following Teachers Talk Radio. Hashtag TT Radio. Hi everyone. Happy Sunday. Uh, for those of you who are listening at a different point in the week, happy whatever day of the week it is for you. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am Shaniqua Edwards-Hayde. I am a primary school teacher. Um, I currently work in a primary pupil referral unit. I am a science lead and humanities lead. I'm a Department for Education ambassador. So I help people get into teaching, uh, which is a good reminder. Sometimes, you know, we forget why we're in the job. So it's so lovely in a way to express the good things, but also think about, oh, you know, what can always be improved on. And I'm also a Teachers Talk radio host. So here I am uh, tonight, although I'm feeling quite tired. Um, <laughs> please do let me know how you're feeling. Uh, tweet me at SEHMiss, because I'd love to know how you are feeling. It feels like half term was forever ago when really it was quite recent. Um, at the moment, I just feel tired. Um, I have I have another job. So outside, outside of teaching, I'm actually working for uh, one of the world's leading property agents, uh, which is really interesting. It's interesting to see uh, what it's like to work as an estate agent and all of that. But um, do you know what? That would be a good show about <laughs> the different jobs some teachers have. Um, so I might have a think about that one. Um, but today I really want to think about a topic that I just feel like is really important and should be discussed. Um, for those of you who listen to me regularly, you know that my last show was about uh, representation and how representation matters. And I spoke about uh, black representation because I'm black and, you know, I have experience with what it's like to be a black student, but also a black teacher. Um, but actually, I have noticed that there's not enough conversations being had about um, Gypsy, Roma and Traveller communities and especially what's going on in schools at the moment. Um, and there's, there's quite a lot, actually. Um, and even just looking, you know, when looking at the performance and attendance of ethnic groups within both a primary and secondary setting, the statistics are quite staggering. Uh, because the government, a government study showed that pupils from Gypsy, Roma and Traveller communities uh, um, had the highest rates of overall absence and persistent absence compared to any other ethnic background. You know, Gypsies and Travellers are 10 times less likely to go to university than their peers, which, you know, 
it's quite shocking and it makes you think you know this is an important conversation to be had now <laughs> i am no expert in this field and i think it's really important that we listen to people who are experts in this field uh so i'm so happy to be joined by um declan o'driscoll today who I know he's going to introduce himself a bit more, <laughs> but I know he is an education, like I said before, he's an education legal policy officer and a caseworker for a great charity, but I'm sure he will uh, tell us a bit more about himself. Hi, Declan, are you there? Hi, Shaniqua, how are you? I'm all right, I'm all right. How are you doing? Yeah, good. I can share your feeling about being tired, but I'm <laughs> really looking forward to the show, yeah. Oh, great, great. And I know I've got Declan up so late he could be getting ready for bed right now but he's here so i appreciate thank you so much you're you're very <laughs> welcome you. and thank you so so much for having me no problem and um, Declan, could you just tell us a bit about yourself if you don't mind yeah so um i'm an irish traveler um i confuse mm -hmm. some people because i don't quite sound like a typical irish traveler um mm -hmm. but i come from an irish traveler family a very large family um and currently my role is uh, at work is working um, for the traveler movement uh, and i do casework um specifically around education um and i do get involved in some of our policy stuff as well um but otherwise i um oh gosh i just i crack i'm also a trustee uh, of an academy trust um, oh, wow. so i like to do that in my spare time um yeah. and really my background is in law um, so that's kind of where I'm stepping to um, at the moment, um, looking to get my uh, training contract, but gaining some amazing experience along the way. Um, yeah. So I've got lots of first-hand experience of, of, you know, my family members and I, um, you know, how our experience of education is, but also in my role, um, I'm doing this kind of day in and day out, uh, living and breathing this. Wow, well, you're the perfect person to talk to then, because uh, I just think it's so important to talk to someone who, you know, has lived and brewed through, who actually is, you know, from this community or from one of the communities that we talk about. I think so often we hear other people telling us things, but I'm like, you're not even from that community, you don't know. So it's yeah. good to actually hear from someone. Um, now, before we even begin, I feel like it's important to like, get a definition across because I I hear so many different um wordings and actually if I'm correct so today I wanted to use the wording gypsy Roma and traveler communities um can I just get from you what what is the correct wording because sometimes I see people write GRT and I'm sure some people right now are probably like huh what are you talking about yeah um you know this is it's quite a similar conversation to to the BAME conversation for black Asian and minority ethnic people yeah. um gypsy roman traveler is is a term that's used a lot in policy it's used a lot as very much an umbrella term um and something that kind of a lot of people can relate to um mm -hmm. but all gypsy roma and traveler communities are different they're distinct they have different heritages so for instance uh roma um you know have have links all the way back almost over a thousand years to to india and traveling across um, Europe, um, which is why we see so many um, fantastic Roma communities um, across different countries in Europe and, and here at home. Um, and, you know, my background is, is Irish traveller, um, so obviously coming from Ireland. Um, yeah. And um, again, very distinct, very different ethnicities, but we, we come together um, quite often because we face similar difficulties. We face quite a lot of prejudice around um, nomadism, so traveling around um, mm. and not necessarily being welcome. Um, you know, some countries um, 
uh, across Europe having you know anti-gypsy Roma travel laws um so that's you know really it's it's quite tough so it's you know together together we're stronger um and I think that's a really good approach to have um some people do use the 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 abbreviation GRT and I think Mm -hmm. uh I try to use that if I'm trying to abbreviate in emails or things like that but I I really do like and I think there's a a growing movement of people within our communities that that like to say Gypsy Roma and Traveller out loud because as you say you know someone sees GRT if they're not from our communities or they're not familiar with the policy work um you know they they just think oh god what's that um and it could get skipped over and we don't want it skipped over no no not at all not at all so we'll make sure we're using the right wording because i like you said we don't want it to get skipped over and i think you you raise a good point there that actually there are many different people and groups who fit under the umbrella term of you know gypsies roma and travelers uh using society but actually you know, it can include, I guess, Roma people, Romani, Romani gypsies, Irish travellers, Scottish gypsy travellers, new travellers, yeah. even travelling show people. Uh, so, you know, and every everyone has their own, you know, background. They have their own community in a way. Um, so, God, there's so much. There's so much to it, which I'm interested to find out a lot more uh, today. Uh, but actually, you've, you've made me have a think, actually. Um, and I just wanted to take it back if it's okay, uh, to my primary school days. Um, And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this today is um, I started to think about a child who, when I was in year four, so when I was in year four, I joined a new school. Um, You know, it's not easy joining a new school, um, but I made friends. um, But I also made friends with this girl. Uh, She was an Irish traveler. and she was great. I loved her. And uh, I think being a new girl, we like, I don't know, we bonded because she wasn't at school as often, um, which now I'm starting to realise. Um, but um, yeah, she struggled with maths. I struggled with maths. So we had a bond um, over that. And we really got along when she was in school. It was great. But I never knew when she was going to be <laughs> in school. And I guess at those times there was no mobiles. Um, but Later on, I I started to notice how people were quite horrible to her. And actually, that really upset me at the time. And it still upsets me where, you know, she wasn't at school as often. And when she did come to school, people didn't really make her feel welcome. And I just thought that was awful. But also, if I'm being very honest, I don't think some of the teachers dealt with it in the best way, where I felt like they allowed some of, I would say, bullying to happen um which is not okay and I'm really sorry but I'm going to say they'd say things like she's dirty and I'd be like what do you mean like she's fine she is fine and you know they'd sometimes make fun of her because she struggled with her maths but I also struggled with my maths I was like why are you making fun of her that doesn't make sense you should also make fun of me um and you know as I've gotten older I understand what was going on and actually I think it's uh it's disgusting but actually doing research into this it's quite common actually I'm you know there's a lot that happens in schools um (laughs) and a lot of discrimination I'd say that happens in schools uh to do with gypsy roma and traveler communities um is this new to you Declan no (laughs) I think the long and short there is no um and I you know it's not something to laugh about um I I think it's one of the things you just kind of um 
you laugh or you cry. Um, yeah. It is very, very prevalent. Um, uh, I always say when I'm talking about my casework, my casework phone is full of stories and pictures of children who have been physically assaulted. Um, mm. You know, I have to read through a lot of witness statements um, and they can be very, very, very distressing. And I think the trouble is that, that some people come from a place of, some people come from a place of hatred. Um, yeah. And they often can be very, uh, you know, clear about about how much they um you know despise gypsy roman traveler communities um but some people come from a place of ignorance and that's also really really damaging um mm-hmm. they rely on the stereotypes they've seen on the news or on you know misleading documentaries or on programs like my big fat gypsy wedding or um yeah. you know things like that and, and those things aren't true they are you know when people talk to me about you know that program um yeah. I say you know well you know I'm I'm in my mid 20s um just and um <laughs> and I you know I'm right in the category of people that should be on something like Love Island uh but I'm yeah. not you know it's it's only representative of a small part um of of the culture and it's and it's and it's you know massively overemphasized to be entertainment and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's real um and there's a real kind of desire of media outlets to focus on the negative and we see this across all areas of news but it's something that is so prevalent with gypsy roman traveler communities i think anyone that looks in the local newspaper will have seen um you know pictures of of caravans parked up on you know public spaces um Mm -hmm. and you know i can i can guarantee well have you ever seen one of those journalists write down a statement from a community member or ask them any questions about themselves and it's always just a picture it's always a whinge it's always you know someone from the council saying something horrible um and and a picture from you know a mile away um and you know well, i've actually engaged with some local journalists who have done some quite you know terrible reporting on this and i've just yeah. said just go up and knock just go and have a, a wonder you know give a wave give a smile i do this all the time um you know when the law changed around gypsy river and traveler um you know no medicine so you know it being becoming a criminal offense to stop on on land uh, overnight mm-hmm. and cause a disruption um where people can be arrested and have their property seized and children taken into care it was a terrible terrible Gosh. thing that went through our, our our parliament i was out on wow. the um the seafront near, near me i live in portsmouth and there was a you mm-hmm. know big cluster of vehicles and I, I don't know these people they're not related not part of my family but i was really? out there knocking on doors saying hello getting invited in for cups of tea and things like that just because I wanted them to know that the law had changed I wanted them to have my phone number if something happened you know I'm quite well connected in the local area and you know have have built up really great relationships with with you know the the police and the council um and just just to give that support because you know nine times if not more out of ten the, the, the stereotypes of, uh, you know, travellers dumping rubbish or, you know, creating mischief and things like that isn't true. Um, and I'm very, very keen to say to people, I'm never here to defend criminals. So there's a lot of criminal links tied to Gypsy Roman travel people. I'm not here to defend criminals, but I am here to defend good, honest, hardworking people who just want to live as their traditions tell them to live. I love that. I uh, I actually really do love that, and I I can tell you you just want to do the right thing, and actually just just be fair. Really, I feel like we all just want the world to be a fair place, and you know, even just you saying you know knocking on doors and you you know checking in with people and letting them know what's going on. It's 
even just when you spoke about that just now we spoke about um publicity and actually how you know actually when i'm thinking about it with gypsy roman traveler communities actually the majority of the time you'll see on uh the news they'll show quite negative stuff instead of just the positive that's going on and actually that's such a shame really such a shame actually yeah Um, as, as someone that's in the community and someone that you know my my day job's in the community um you know i see the wonderful things i see you know parents fighting for their children i see children passing their exams i see people coming to me saying can i have a bit of support because i want to go into law um you know just amazing things amazing achievements that are happening i work with some amazing um uh, you know kind of gypsy roma traveler lawyers teachers um educational expert police officers you know and i think there's just there's such a a position of as i say ignorance that people come into when they think one thing they think that you know being a gypsy roma traveler is about um you know living in a caravan driving around creating mischief and that's simply not mm. true um 80 to 90 percent of gypsy roman traveler people live in bricks and mortar accommodation they do not live in caravans um but they st- as soon as someone finds out about the heritage if they hear an accent if they listen to a tradition if they've gone to a particular fair um you know i faced it at school you know, even with my accent living in, you know living in portsmouth if mm-hmm. i was to tell you know, I've even told my friends that I was from a traveller background, um, you know, the, the word gypsy comes out or gypo comes out. And yeah. it's just a laughing point and it's just seen as fair game. Um, and that's that's so sad. And I think it's like, you know, you picked up on it as well, which is that sometimes that, that ignorance does steep into to all areas of society. Um, yeah. And that can unfortunately sometimes be teachers in, in my experience, not all teachers by an absolute long shot, but a few teachers here and there just don't always see that Gypsy Roma and Traveller people are their own distinct ethnically protected group by yeah. law. Um, that, that using words like pikey, which is a dreadful word, and I hate having to use it, but yeah, I, I want to use it because no. I want people to know that it Good. is a dreadful word. Yeah. Um, words like jippo, tinker, all those sorts of horrible words, because they're used with a racial motive, they are racist. And those, mm-hmm. those should be taken as seriously as all other, you know, well-known racist um, sentiment towards any other, other, any other minority or ethnically protected group. Um, so that's something we really do want to see. Uh, th- thank you for sharing that because actually, you know, uh, teachers do listen to this, and actually, you know, some teachers might be aware of what's going on, but some might not of the wording. I'm sure they are, but actually, I think you raise a good point there. Actually. <laughs> there's specific words if I hear and I'm like whoa whoa that needs yeah. to be dealt with immediately it's really important I just hope the same thing is done um with words those words um because actually even when you said them made, said that it made me feel sad because actually it reminded me of words I'd hear as a child and I was thinking god do people still say do they still say these offensive terms and the fact that you said that makes me think they probably do and that's really quite upsetting, yeah, actually. No, it happens just, it's just so commonplace. Um, and that's what's so disheartening about it. And I think if you put yourself in the position of the child, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to, to hear that, you know, we, you know, we know assemblies on racism happen in schools, and I think a lot of them are very competent. So you hear that certain words are unacceptable or certain sentiments are unacceptable. But then if you are, you know, called something that, 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 
insults your very being, your culture, your family, um, and then there isn't that equal response to that, that sends a really awful message to that child that that they are somehow second to other people. And that's really often where the start of problems uh, come for come from in education for gypsy Roman travel children. Definitely. That's what that's what I was thinking. And I, I was just thinking if I was a child going through that, that's not going to make me want to like school, uh, enjoy it or want to be there if actually I feel like I don't actually feel like a part of the school community. And I think we're going to delve into that a bit more because I feel like there's ways we can be uh, as teachers and educators, there's ways that we can be making um gypsy roman traveler children feel like they are actually part of the school because they are but actually you know the representation's not there so i do want to go into that with the representation but actually i'm gonna since we're talking about school i'm gonna actually talk about achievement because i'm gonna go to some statistics now um pupils from gypsy roman traveler backgrounds have had the lowest attainment of all ethnic groups throughout their school years um which is quite interesting because, you know, I usually hear about working class white boys and I hear about um, Caribbean black boys. And, you know, that's a big conversation, but actually I feel like the conversation about Gypsy Roman traveler backgrounds is not had enough. Where actually, if we look at at early years, only 36% of Gypsy and Roma pupils and 39% for traveler of Irish heritage pupils achieved a good level of development. If we look at key stage four the disparity is greater and you know even looking at further and higher education pupils from gypsy roma and traveler backgrounds are also less likely to stay in education after the age of 16 compared to pupils in other ethnic groups with just 73 percent of irish traveler pupils and 66 percent of gypsy and roma pupils staying on in i'm taking this back a bit 2016 2017 so already I'm just thinking, Woof, what are we doing? What can we do? But what? Why is this going on? What's What's happening, Declan? Now, I think that's that's a you know kind of a sixty four million dollar question um, <laughs> because it just comes it comes from all angles. But I think for me, really, the central point is that Gypsy Roman traveller children are reminded so often, and you know it's not necessarily direct, but sometimes it can be indirect. It can be little things, little little attitudes, little bits of media here and there that they're taught and they're, they they believe, you know, I have family, uh, you know, and even myself when I was younger, you know, you believe that you can't do things that other people can. You know, you believe that education isn't for you. It isn't your place. Um, and unfortunately, those stereotypes are perpetuated everywhere in the media. I've had the misfortune of hearing even MPs, members of our own parliament, say that and to deliver sentiment that gypsy roman traveler children are just somehow inherently not suited to education and that's the reason why and it's it's not true um it's 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 behavior that's learned and taught um and if you aren't you know let's you know let's remember school is such a quite an intensive place you're there you know five days a week you know you've got Mm. lots to get on with lots of you know responsibilities especially as the years go on and if you don't feel welcome in that environment, it's a, it's a challenging enough environment. We, we remember, probably remember our own secondary school yeah. experiences. It's a challenging enough experience for any child. But when yeah. you're made to not feel welcome, when your concerns aren't addressed, when bullying isn't addressed, when 
um, send assessments aren't happening for whatever reason. Um, you know, those are the things that, that say to you, um, along with some some elements of, of you know, uh, within the community. Um, and I think that's that's not necessarily um, created, that's delivered, that's intergenerational. Um, and we see that with kind of intergenerational illiteracy. Um, I would say that, you know, the majority of the clients that I've had, you know, very much struggle to read and write. You know, these are adults yeah. with with incomes, with children, but they do struggle to read and write. Um, some of them to a point where they cannot read and write at all. Um, so if mm. you've got a parent that, that has left education very early because they didn't feel welcome, they're not going to feel welcome. They're not going to feel like that's a safe place for their children. Um, and that's mm. something we're seeing over and over again, that kind of safeguarding, that safety response, which is that, you know, why would I send my child somewhere where they're going to get bullied, where I know they're going to get bullied, where I know that, that the odds are going to be stacked against them? Um, why would I subject my child to that? That's a good point. That is a good point. Um, especially, I can imagine, like you said, some of these parents would have had their own experiences of being at school and actually, you know, now they're sending their child to school and they just they don't want their child to go through all that they've been through um which is really it's really upsetting actually um but then in my head i'm like well that's why schools are there though to make sure it is a safe place and you know that these children feel supported and yeah that they have the right support and that <laughs> you know those snd assessments are there all of that and i'm saying it uh feeling you know thinking rather positively but I know that's not happening um which is actually such a shame and actually for those parents who are not sending their kids in to school I guess fines fines are being sent out um I don't, yeah is I think that correct it, it depends it depends on what and I think one of the really important things to remember about the data just just quickly mm -hmm. Um, and it does relate to, to you know home education and children moving out of school is that the data only relates to children that are in school so the children that are home educated or are missing from education though that those that data isn't even being considered in these in these and if it was the the statistics would be infinitely worse the other thing that's really important to to mention when we're talking about statistics is how people identify so you know personally i have a british passport i have an irish passport I would consider myself uh, white British, white Irish, and a gypsy, uh, and a traveller, and an Irish traveller. But when I can, when I tick a box for ethnicity, I can only tick one. And I know I'm not the only yeah. person that feels like this. I know there's lots of, um, you know, ethnic groups and communities that feel feel the same. But I yeah. would often tick white British because I, I I'm white and I live in Britain, um, and you know it's it's kind of the first one that comes. And it's not yeah. for a desire not to not want to. But what that does mean for the data you know, I have, I, I'm coming up on my fourth degree, um, that isn't Ooh. being counted in the data. You know, I'm, yes. I'm looking to start working as a, as, a, as a human rights lawyer. That isn't going to be counted in the data. And that, that echoes for so many people as well. So I think yeah. the, the data is really important, but I don't think it's showing the half of it. When it comes to, to home education, yes, you know, I think there's a formal way of doing it, which is, you know, uh, you know signing your children out to be, to be home educated. And then there's a the question of, you know, what sort of education is, is being given. Um, obviously, we can't generalise, but we do know that literacy levels are, you know, a real issue um, within mm -hmm. our communities from historic poor engagement with education and, and poor attainment. Um, but also the lack of legal responsibility 
for parents to have to register their children for home education. There's no um, legal requirement for parents to register their children for home education. Um, yeah. So there is there is that kind of group therefore created where children yeah. are missing from education. And this is something that the Children's Commission has picked up on um, okay. a couple of times um, and spoken about. So it's really, really important. For those who are uh, home educating and are, are known to the system, I've had so many cases now, I can't tell you, um, <laughs> of parents who are being fined. But the thing is, when you dig into the reasons why these children are being home educated, and I've got, I've got some I've had clients, I've got friends who educate their children at home and they're really, really good at it and they, they make the most of it and they really do a great job. But when you speak yeah. to them, they will always say near enough that their first choice wouldn't be to do that. They just want to prevent their children from being in an environment where they're not going to feel welcome, where they're going to face challenges that they are worried that their children won't be able to cope with. Um, and I think we'd all want to make sure our children are you know, safe and protected. Um, so I think it's, it's understandable. But the trouble is, as you say, with mm. fines and school attendance orders, is yeah. they, they do arrive, you know, when when that home education is assessed to not be suitable. And yeah. the last thing, you know, I want to see, and I'd hope anyone would want to see, especially teachers listening, um, is children not receiving an education, especially during mm-hmm. their mandatory years. So that there has to be a response. But my question would really be, is criminalising parents using the magistrate court system, using fines, and you know, having the power in law to to um, imprison parents for non-payment of fines or severe cases, is that the right response? Um, when mm. no, you know, and I can tell you from experience that so many people who home educate their children would not choose to do so. It's a good question. That is a good question. No, that is a good question. And actually, it's making me think anyone who is listening, and even if you're listening to this later on as a podcast, please do let us know. Let us know, you know, what you think about this. Uh, Please do feel free to tweet me at SEHMiss. You can tweet us at TT Radio Official. And Declan, do you have a Twitter? I do. Yes. Are you going to ask me what it is? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> if you don't mind saying. Yeah, no, of course. I believe it's at um, Declan O'Driscoll. Um, um, but I will I, I will come back to you if I'm wrong because I can't quite remember <laughs> my handle. It's, uh, Declan, I thought it was at Deck O'Driscoll. Maybe it is at Declan O'Driscoll. Oh, no, am I wrong? No, it is. No, you are right. It's Deck <laughs> underscore O'Driscoll without the apostrophe. There we go. There, there we, we go. See, I knew it's just so quick on technology you can just visit out and I don't I don't think I've ever spoken it aloud before but um yes under, at Deco Driscoll you can find me on Twitter <laughs> there we go there we go um but Declan at one you you made you raised so many good points but actually you raised the point where actually not all well I guess statistics um, you know, don't always identify everyone correctly. Like you said, there's only usually one box you can choose. Um, and sometimes people don't tick, um, you know, the box that is geared towards the gypsy, Roman traveller communities. And actually doing a bit of research, um, it's quite sad, actually. You found, like, a lot of young people wouldn't tick that box. Um, and actually not... I was reading up that actually there were some teachers who didn't actually know that their students were of gypsy Roman traveller backgrounds um, because some keep it to themselves. Um, And actually, 
earlier today I was talking to one of my housemates <laughs> I'm teacher related but they were telling me that they were going out with someone and it was only um until later on that they found out that she was of an Irish traveler background but she didn't mention it before at the beginning because you know she didn't want to get judged and just made me think of actually with the, the statistics how many people were probably missing out um, if you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's a massive issue, um, and um, you know, something we especially see it around census time. Um, you're going to see mm. that, um, which is that you know, it's it's very easy, um, often um, for, and this this is the same with other other ethnic groups or religious groups um, to to. I don't say I don't like to use the word hide, um, um, but I suppose sometimes it is a case of hiding. But it's a case where you don't. You don't have to get into it. I think that's kind of the feeling sometimes that you have. Um, mm. You just feel like, yes. let's not. Let, if I don't mention it, um, you know, that's going to you know create less of an issue. Because as soon as you're right, as soon as you say the word gypsy, as soon as you say the, the word Roma or the word traveller, people start having those stereotypes that come into their head. Those really damaging stereotypes about criminality or about creating mess or um, you know being a, a psychic or a you know magical person. And they're all rubbish. They're, you know, they are all, you know, by and large, you know, 99% um, rubbish. And I mean, you know, mm -hmm. a question I get, I get asked this, you know, a lot, um, particularly, in, you know, when I have, you know, hostile meetings or, um, you know, a difficult, you know, person that I'm facing or a group that I'm facing in, you know, different things that I do. Um, yeah. And, you know, it comes, it comes up and I always turn around and say, you know, there, there's good and bad in every in every group in every classification yeah. in society um, definitely and you know ones that you will agree with ones that you don't agree with ones that are clearly wrong ones that are you know absolutely delightful and to to cast one community and i use that word in you know intentionally um mm -hmm. with the same brush is really really damaging um and i think causes so many issues um for, for people in, in our communities definitely agree so so damaging um and uh, you know when you are saying it, i'm like you're right actually because i hear so many people uh, you know tarnish <laughs> people it's just for one one person does something and it's the whole community and in this sense there's loads of communities within this community that we talk about so um i really think you know we talk about ignorance but i think it's so important to get educated as well i know how i feel <laughs> and i made it very clear last time how i feel when people get like really you know when they're quite ignorant about things um to do with you know just me being black and you know i know that that's affected my affected my schooling how people have treated me in the past and all of that so um actually to even think at the moment you know gypsy roma and travel communities and how people sometimes tarnish them all with the same brush and they don't actually tend to research or educate themselves on what's happening um i just i really think that's why this is this conversation is so important right now um so even thank you because it's making me think about you know the attendance um we can say the attendance issue because i have seen i have seen that discussed quite a bit um 
And I've heard some schools saying, what can we do? What can we do about, and <laughs> I feel like there's lots of things we can discuss about what can we do and we will. But even with the attendance, I um, I remember talking to one head teacher who thought about getting um, some of the parents in uh, to do lessons. But then, you know, every parent will feel very differently as well. Some might not feel comfortable. So there's just a lot to think about in general. Just, just you're making me think actually. What can we do? What are we doing? I'm sorry, I can only apologise. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I'm hoping. I'm hoping, like you know, loads of educators are listening, and we get loads of ideas. Um, but we will discuss some more, um, and fi- you know, discuss a bit more about what's going on in schools and what schools can do. Um, but right now, we're going to hear some news and hear from some of our sponsors. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The BBC has relaunched the 500 Words Writing Competition. The competition was first launched on Radio 2 in 2011 by its then Breakfast Show presenter, Chris Evans. The UK-wide contest continued until 2020 with Evans' successor Zoe Ball. It will return in September and will again be backed by Queen Consort Camilla. It will also be supported by Sir Lenny Henry. The announcement was made on Thursday the 1st of March, World Book Day, on BBC One's Breakfast News programme. BBC Breakfast presenter John Kay said, We are delighted to be championing 500 words, and look forward to stellar entries from talented, aspiring young writers. Up until 2020, the competition had received more than one million stories, all written by children and adding up to more than 440 million words. Judges on this year's panel will include teachers and librarians, as well as best-selling authors, which will include former children's laureate Mallory Blackman and Charlie Higson, author of five of the Young Bond novels. The grand final will feature 50 of the best entries from two different age categories and it will take place on World Book Day 2024. WhatsApp messages sent by government ministers and civil servants during the height of the pandemic have been causing a stir in many circles since The Telegraph published its series of stories giving insight into a usually private world. Several teaching unions hit out at what was described as contemptible comments made in the WhatsApps by former Education Secretary Sir Gavin Williamson. In the messages, Williamson appeared to suggest that staff were looking for an excuse not to work during the pandemic. There were also comments made by former Health Secretary Matt Hancock, who referred to teaching unions as a bunch of absolute arses. Sir Gavin was seen to reply, they really, really do just hate work. In a perhaps ill-advised series of tweets this week, Sir Gavin Williamson attempted first an apology, saying the comments were aimed at some unions and that he had the utmost respect for teachers. But many of those replying pointed out that unions are made up of teachers and that cannot be separated. 
They and union leaders went on to point out that teachers worked throughout the pandemic. National Education Union Joint General Secretary Mary Bowsted went on to say that she hoped that the present Education Secretary, Gillian Keegan, did not share the contemptuous attitude whilst the current pay dispute continues. Whilst the pay disputes continue in England, they are possibly just getting started in the Channel Island of Guernsey. NESUWT leaders on the island say that local members have voted overwhelmingly in favour of industrial action over pay and workload. According to a report in Guernsey Press, strike action was backed by nine out of ten voters who took part in the ballot. 57% of members voted. Teachers in Guernsey have been offered a three-year deal with a 5% increase in 2022, a 7% increase in 2023 and an increase of 1% below inflation in 2024. Meanwhile, in Scotland, the EIS union has suspended all planned strike action after a new pay deal was offered. The 12.3% increase on the current pay rate has been welcomed by EIS leaders, who were said to be recommending its members accept the offer. The union will ballot its members on the deal, which would see teacher pay rise by £5,200 in April. Scotland's Education Secretary has welcomed the suspensions of strike action, but the NESUWT's General Secretary, Dr Patrick Roach, said the offer was paltry, and whilst it would ballot members, its campaign of strike action and action short of strikes would continue. Finally, while strike action causes disruption in schools, the Eastern Daily Press reports that some families have opted for family days out to local tourist attractions. Many of the attractions have created special offers and promotions to make the most of possible extra visitors on planned strike days. Banham Zoo and Africa Alive offered free entry for up to three children per paying adult. A spokesperson for the attraction said they hoped to provide an educational experience for children to learn about the planet and the environment. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to talk about tech for well-being. We all have tech all around us, but what do you do to strike a work-life balance when technology makes you available 24-7? During the pandemic, parents having the ability to directly message or email teachers increased, and for good reason. The issue now is some schools have continued to maintain this communication. Here are a couple of ideas to let tech make your communication a little easier. First, you need to read your school's policy on replying to messages. This will outline what you're expected to do. A lot of systems have an auto response or an out of office reply. When you're taking a break, switching this on can send an automated message to let people know you will respond in a timely manner. Here is where you could quote the school's policy. Do not disturb is another setting you could use to stop devices notifying you between set times that you decide. You can also set this so certain people like family and friends can still alert you. Delayed response is a setting in a lot of email applications. If you want to create emails at unsociable times, you can set them to send at specific times, allowing you to work when you like, but not go against any timing set out in school policy. Why not tell us what you do with tech for your well-being at TT Radio Official? I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Well, that was some great advice there from Steve Woods. I actually need to, um, you know, look after myself a bit more. So I might actually start getting those out of hours 
messages in place. Uh, Declan, do you have any of those out of hours? Absolutely. Response. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like to, to manage. Yeah, I like to manage expectation as well. I think is um, is a really good thing. If you know, if you're away or you're doing something, it's it's nice for people to kind of know where you are. Um, I think particularly in my role, some things can be quite time sensitive. So you mm-hmm. can get a lot of phone calls, a lot of a lot of emails coming through, and um, it's just nice to be able to give people that that reassurance. But also, you enough space to be able to do what you need to do. That's that's so true. That is so true. I <laughs> I used to think, oh, as a teacher, I probably don't need that, but actually, I might. So uh, thanks, Steve, Steve Woods, for that bit of advice there. Um, but if I take us back <laughs> to our session today, our show today, for those who've been listening already, uh, you'll know that I've got Declan O'Driscoll with me, and we are discussing, you know, the hidden schooling crisis faced by children from Gypsy, Roma, and Traveller communities. Um, so it's been interesting so far. I've even um, learned quite a few things already, actually, uh, from Teclan. I have so many more questions to ask and so much more to discuss. But, um, huh, I've got something to ask you, Teclan. Have you ever heard of the T code? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely had a few few, uh, questions come in about the T code. Yes. Okay, so some some people are probably like, huh? Some teachers will know what I'm talking about, and some will be like, huh? Uh, what do you know about this, Declan? <laughs> um, well, you know, it's it's one of the the many um, codes that can be used to explain an absence um, from school, mm-hmm. um, specifically the T code, and I, I believe the letter T is being used to to, to relate to to traveller um, yeah. can be used when um, parents are travelling for the purpose of work. Uh, Mm -hmm. the children uh, therefore travel with them Um, and this can often be around you know um, one one of the big things is is the buying and selling of horses or running stalls or you know selling food Um, and uh, you know uh, for for showmen as well it's um, you know running you know fairs or shows Um, and um, it allows that allows that that code to be used Um, there are a few problems with it Um, um uh, some misunderstandings um but yeah it's 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 really there to protect people um from from you know having attendance fines or things like that when actually there isn't a choice uh in the matter mm-hmm. yeah yeah which makes sense uh because you know if this child's parents are going to work you know obviously the child is going to go with them um so that makes so much sense so the T code should be, I guess, different to an, I guess, to an unauthorized absence, really. really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is this is sometimes where the confusion comes from. So the, the code, the, the rules around the code are very, very much linked to parents traveling for work purposes. Um, one of the problems we see with that is that schools can be very, you know, they will require certain evidence in order to use the T code. Um, and sometimes that can be excessive. One of the, for me, the biggest problems that I, I come up against is um, schools that permit children to and their families um, to to go to say fairs, maybe mm-hmm. uh, you know, Appleby or something like that, and they'll yeah. go as as visitors, and they're not necessarily going for work purposes, but they will allow the children to have that time off to do that. And it's really difficult for me because I, I do think that there is great value in going to a number of those events, um, culturally, yeah. uh, experience-wise, 
Um, so I, I do see that. The trouble is, the law mm. says that it can only be used if parents are traveling for work purposes. So what we end up with is oh. some schools sticking by the rules mm-hmm. um, and, and doing the right thing by sticking by the rules. But then we have a lot of schools that don't do that and they permit the use of the T code. So it then gets very confusing for parents who maybe have children at different schools or they have friends. And I will often get calls saying, you know, they've refused me to to have the T-code or I'll have schools saying we don't feel comfortable using the T-code or local authorities have even had asked me um, about the T-code. And, um, you know, the rules are there. Um, The trouble is when they're not applied fairly across the board, it causes a lot of upset, causes a lot of confusion. Um, and it can often lead to parents feeling very much like they're being targeted or victimised or not being allowed the rights that they think they have, even if they don't quite have them. Um, mm. So I think it's it's one thing we need a bit more unity across the board. And maybe from from you know policymakers, we need a little bit more understanding of the importance of of cultural events um, and why children need to to go with their families to those sorts of events. No, definitely, definitely. Because if you're saying, you know, it's part of their culture, you know, you want to know your family's culture, you want to be a part of it. Um, that makes so much sense. But I think, like you said, unity in uh, there needs to be unity policy from, I guess, parents, from um, educators and the head teacher, uh, just everyone understanding, everyone understanding very clearly and. I can imagine for you, you go to one school and, you know, the rules are like this. And you go to another school. So everywhere's so different, I can imagine, with yeah. what's OK and what's not OK, um, which is not very clear, not very clear at all. Um, also, um, you, you had me thinking, I'm just thinking a lot. Um, but actually, <laughs> then I, I started to think about experiences, experiences of people and I um, found um a little article from uh grace claire o'neill and just i'm just going to read a little bit of what she said uh what life was like for her uh growing up and she said because she was from the gypsy roman traveler one of the communities um and she said for me the experience of going through 14 years of schooling as the only pupil from a grt background left me feeling isolated I learned to suppress and hide the facts, which led to a near permanent fear of being outed. I remember vividly my mum once asking me why I'd rarely invite my friends over to the house. The truth is, was that I was terrified of them seeing something that would identify my ethnicity and any gypsy stuff. The photographs on the walls of my grandparents with old caravans or the traditional wooden pegs my dad used to make from willow and discarded tin cans that that were scattered around the house. I kept the two worlds as separate as I could out of necessity and fear. Um, and she goes on to mention, it is also not unusual for gypsy and traveller children to be treated unfavourably at school, not only by fellow pupils, but also by staff and other children's parents. And this can be, I can never say that worse, but <laughs> made worse if there are tensions in the local community around planning permissions for sites or negative stories in local newspapers. And it said a recent study by the Traveller Movement found that one in five Traveller pupils felt they had, they had to leave school due to bullying. And two thirds of those surveyed felt bullied by their teachers, um, which you have mentioned already, but actually... <laughs> just makes me sad that actually we talk you know when we think about bullying we think about bullying you know the child 
being another child. But then to think about, you know, these children feeling like they are being bullied by their teachers. And I think earlier you kind of mentioned, you know, words being used. And if a teacher allows that, that's not great. And I totally agree. Um, Then we get to the point where, you know, teachers bullying is that is uh, do you find there's cases going on to do with teachers bullying uh children sadly, communities sadly, yeah sadly yeah um it's yeah sad. i'm sorry i was so quick to jump in there because i was like no, yeah, yeah there, there are um you know like oh, oh, it's one of those things that you know it's really difficult i do a lot of work with teachers unions and, and teachers and schools mm-hmm. ind- individually and you know I, I never want to kind of um throw the net out and say that, that you know this is all teachers because it's it's far from but, you know, there are there are examples where, you know, I've come across personally in cases um, where the behaviour has been far from from what it should be. Um, you know, one example would be, um, you know, a teacher berating um, a, a traveller child um, <sighs> about a coat that was bought for them by the school. Um, and the, the child was hanging a coat up on the peg uh, yeah. and it fell off and she ordered him out of the classroom in front of the class. Uh, and said that she he needed to respect the property that he'd been given, and that his parents hadn't hadn't worked for that coat, and that you know he should be more respectful, and that you know that sort of stuff's oh horrendous. God. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, that's that's a, that's a you know could have been a throwaway comment, awful behaviour, but then we see some stuff that's really persistent. Um, mm. And there's there's one case study that I use, and I it's kind of I it's kind of got I call it a title, which is um you know a seat at the table. And yeah. uh, one of my clients, one of my early clients, actually, when I first started um, taking on cases, um, uh, who she now home ex- educates all of her children, um, her child was uh, in uh, reception and he, for the first two months, wasn't allowed to sit at a table with other children. Um, he was the only child um, and he had a space in the corner. Um, he was given separate work uh, and he had to sit what? at the corner. Um, and this was obviously complained about and, uh, and nothing really happened. Um, and I remember, you know, one day, um, he was allowed to, this was before I took on the case, um, yeah. um, which was actually around a planning issue. Um, <laughs> as interesting as Grace said yeah. in her, in her yeah. article, um, he was, uh, eventually allowed to sit at the table after some other staff had complained and said, actually, we found this out and we don't think this is right. So he was allowed to sit at the table, behaved impeccably. And when he was walking home that day with his mum, he you know, held his hand, held her hand and said, I'm so, so, and he was almost in tears. He was so happy that he was allowed to sit at the table. And obviously mum is in absolute hysterics, um, you know, trying to hold back the tears, thinking, you know, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It shouldn't yeah. be a case that, you know, children are literally having to fight just to sit at the table. Um, and as I say, this is, you know, this is oh, wow. a, a case. This isn't, this isn't every school. There's some yeah. amazing schools that I've I've worked with that do, you know, particularly in reception, amazing transitions. So um, oh. one school that I've worked with in Lancashire, mm-hmm. who um, they set up an outdoor play area with a very high GRT percentage. Um, and they have an outdoor um, classroom oh. that's created a bit like a jungle. So for, for oh. you know, they, they've recognised that a lot of Gypsy Roadrun Traveller children, when they're coming into the school, maybe the mm-hmm. same as other children as well, this is, you know, not necessarily, um, haven't had the experience of what it's like to sit at a table for a longer period of time. Um, and therefore are more likely to exert behavioural issues um, and for those things to escalate. So having that kind of halfway, taking advantage of the weather, having a bit of a classroom outside where you can lay down or you can stand up or you can do that for a little while, it allows that transition 
um, mm. into school. Um, and it's a really great example of, kind of early intervention on how to engage with the pupils and understand and appreciate who Gypsy Roma and Traveller people are and then work to help develop the behaviour that's needed to be in a school. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we can't just expect it. You know, it, it's the same with any community, but we do mm. see a lot with Gypsy Roman Traveller because of that that pre-existing ignorance and misunderstanding. Um, we just need to see that little bit more understanding, those really good examples, and that can really cut down a lot on on those kind of those bullying examples. Yeah, that makes sense. It's still shocking to me that that's going on, but I don't know why I'm shocked because these things do happen, but I'm just like, it's disgusting because um, I can just imagine how much it affects these children and also their families. Um, but I, I I do agree. And I think teachers, you know, must educate themselves um, on what's going on, on the children in their class, on the communities, on, on with all the different communities, really. Um, and I guess ensure that they challenge their own prejudices. Prejudices, I can never say that word. Mm. But you know what I mean, that word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is in info. Oh, gosh, uh, I can't believe that. Maybe we'll cut that, we'll cut that out. But uh, yeah, <laughs> they should be able to. They should. Because um, that that is important. And I think uh, representation does matter. And even to think about uh, a lot of these children, there's no representation for them. They go into the classroom and there's there might not be another um, gypsy Roma traveller child um, there. You know, even just thinking about I had to take a step back and think for myself and think, hmm, do I have any books related to um, these communities so these children feel, you know, like a part of the class? Or even if, and for example, right now in my class, I don't think I have anyone who does identify as gypsy roma or traveler uh part of that community but why are my children not being educated regardless um why am i still not showing them that representation where i'm like well i need to talk to my school and get some books ordered you know we need to start thinking you know i think that's just really important uh representation uh would you agree absolutely absolutely and i think that's you know that's one of the reasons why we're i am so for Gypsy Roman Traveller History Month. I get very involved every year, um, yeah. particularly in, within education. Um, and I think you've hit the nail right on the head there where, you know, and I've heard this a lot from, from, from people, you know, people speak to me and sometimes in schools they try, they try and impress me or encourage me, that, you know, um, that they're on the right side of things. And they say, you know, we've got all these books and we do Gypsy Roman Traveller History Month and then they'll say for mm. our Gypsy Roman Traveller children. Mm -hmm. And what they'll do is they'll segregate those children, give them a bit of history about Gypsy Roma and Traveller background, and then put them back in the class. And that yep. just, I mean, it drives me over the edge. Um, I can imagine. Um, I can, it's driving me over the edge already. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I say this very openly, and I've, I've spoken about it, you know, uh, before. And I'm a great believer when it comes to Black History Month, which I think is an, an amazing event and, and so, mm -hmm. so valuable. But actually, I think the people that are going to benefit most from Black History Month are children that aren't black, because it's having exactly. that understanding of what mm -hmm. it's of, of something of what it's like, of, of of appreciating what has happened, what is still happening. Um, you know, it's the reason we have Pride for LGBTQ plus groups. Um, it's the reason we have GRT History Month, um, because we need to understand. So I'd actually say I say to teachers, 
it's more important that your non-gypsy roman traveler if you've not got a gypsy roman traveler child in your class mm-hmm. it still needs to be there in fact it's more important that that information is there and there are some amazing books for, for adults there are also amazing books for children that you can add to your kind of in-class libraries um, there's some great resources online um, there's lots of stuff out there so do take advantage of it and, and try and work it in um, history months in june um uh every year yeah. um so um yeah it's coming up so you know let's, yeah. let's make some preparations we can start we can start planning from now which is no no that's great that i think that's great because actually in researching um for this show Declan knows I was so excited because I saw oh there's a gypsy roman traveler history month and actually I know Declan was like yeah do you not know but <laughs> I, I I wasn't even aware and that makes me so sad because you know I've been teaching for the last couple of years and it makes me sad that I'm like whoa why have we not uh, celebrated this before because actually it's every June and actually from reading up it's been going on every June since 2008 and you know people from across the uk have celebrated gypsy roman traveler history month and you know i guess it's a way of celebrating you know educating and raising awareness of the histories and experiences of gypsy roman traveler people and in a way you know it, it challenges those myths but also amplifies the voices of those people from the community and i love that and i just think as teachers and educators and even head teachers you know are we making the time to focus on the diverse histories, cultures, and you know the present realities for Gypsy Roma and Traveller people, and you know right now if you're like mm, I'm not, maybe you should have a think and think what am I going to do? And I'm sure you know I'm I'm sure there's lots of resources as Declan did say, and you know I will definitely have a look and happily post them on my Twitter. Um, and just even doing a, a bit of research, there was quite a few different resources um, there already. So definitely, I feel there's, I feel like there's no excuse. And I feel quite strongly with what Declan said there, where, you know, it's, it's great if you do have Gypsy Roman Traveller children in, but also if you do have them in your class, please don't, you know, you know, just, you know, segregate, segregate them, them and use them. Yeah, yeah, segregate them and use them. Uh, because I used to hate that with Black History Month as well. And I was like, oh my God, everyone's going to choose me. And they ask me loads of questions and blah, blah, blah. Uh, where, you know, some children would love to share, but some don't as well. And some, you know, but also, sorry, I'm just thinking about those children who are not, who, or people whose classes don't have any children from those communities. Uh, just have a think, because I think a few, was it last last year? Um, I think I got my children a book about show people. Um, yeah. Is that what it's showmen? And um, we learned quite a lot. And actually my children like were like, wow, I didn't know this. And you know, it was, it was nice actually. So I think just planning, get planning guys, June, June is around the corner. So that's, (laughs) that's something to think about. Um, um, but and teachers as well, don't beat yourselves up that if you've not been doing this, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's, I think there's a, there's a lot that schools have to take on board. There's a lot, you know, trying to squeeze everything into assemblies throughout the year or to have relevant classes is, is a big thing. Don't look at it as in, you know, you've not been doing it. So you don't want to identify and do it now because you're worried now is the best time to start Mm. doing this um and we really really would love to see i would love to see this personally um 
uh, you know, and have GRT History Month on the curriculum, um, uh, you know, on a national basis, um, along with lots and lots of other subjects that aren't on there. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So just don't beat yourself up, you know, find some resources. There's lots of free resources as well if budgets are tight. I know budgets are very tight at the moment. Um, mm. So you know, make the most of it and just even something is going to really, really help um, encourage that, that inclusion, that, you know, that element of understanding. Um, and teachers are just in such a great place to kind of break down that barrier of ignorance um, yeah, by definitely. changing the perception of the people for tomorrow. Definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So we've just got to, you know, I, I feel like educate ourselves and then educate others. I think, yeah, we've got this, we've got this. But actually talking of education, um, I'm now going to take back take you back uh, to a few years ago working in a school and it was in my partner teacher's class um she had two irish traveler girls in her class and um we found that when there were trips so this is just you know just a case of these two girls uh when there were trips they weren't really allowed to go on the trips and when it was like say you know, a residential, they weren't really allowed. Um, and they kind of mentioned it was to do with their background. Um, and then we went on to like, say for example, sex education and, um, you know, science, where there was a point where we have to go through puberty and stuff like that. We found that their parents didn't want them to be in the classroom. Uh, is this an anomaly, anomaly? Or is this, you know, does have you found that has happened before? yeah i mean you know it, it does happen it does happen quite a lot mm. um and i think it it comes from you know i think it this isn't just something that is unique to gypsy rain run traveler community mm-hmm. um, definitely it's not something that is across the entire community but it's mm-hmm. also not something that's unique just to just to our communities and mm-hmm. you know i think we have we have to respect traditions um we have mm-hmm. to respect religion um you know there is there is that that legal right 100 percent. and i think the work that that has been done to change the law around relationship and sex education has been really positive, making relationship education uh, mandatory in primary and, and secondary schools. Um, and then, you know, more historically making sure that science um, conversations when discussions around sex um, mm-hmm. are, are mandatory. And I, I'm very supportive of them, but I do see a lot of people, um, I don't get as many calls about this, um, but I have had calls in the past where parents are concerned. Sometimes it's 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 often to do with innocence. It's often to do with protection. And I think maybe mm. if we kind of think back slightly to um, to the idea of protecting your children and that kind of instinct to protect your children from the world you know exists around you, particularly mm-hmm. when you face huge amounts of discrimination and so many you know situations that you know um other non-gypsy roman traveler people wouldn't even think about um you know things like walking into a, a pub or a restaurant and being told to get out because you're a traveler those things happen yeah. all the time um, yeah you know, it, it shouldn't be it's completely wrong um, um so we have to understand that that's that's where parents are coming from sometimes parents come from a religious aspect um i had a case recently um where a parent was very um unhappy about her primary school child being taught about the existence of gay people um, mm-hmm. and that was I managed to calm that I managed to calm that I you know obviously I wasn't willing to make a complaint against the school um, yeah. because they were following the law um, yeah, yeah. There, was no, there was no merit in that case unfortunately <laughs> but explaining you know having a bit more education um, around the 
the reasons why that education's there um, and the balance between kind of basic kind of religious rights and rights to have a, you know your own sexual orientation um, or, or gender mm-hmm. identity um, and that those those rights shouldn't be in conflict they should be both mutually respected um, and there should be good boundaries that are set up for, for both in order to protect both rights um, at the same time. I mean, I was I was chatting to a to a head teacher, and it is it is a big problem. And I think you know, the, mm. the, 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 I think for for me, it's the lack of consultation. That's one thing that I keep coming back to time and time again. Schools are very very busy, um, and they don't yeah. always consult effectively with parents, particularly parents that may uh, you know for religious reasons may or cultural reasons may be less likely to want to have their child involved in those sorts of classes. Yeah, a lot of the cases that I've experienced are children come home at the end of the day or they're on the walk home and they'll say today we learn about gay people and parents ears kind of flick up and they go what what you know because Mm -hmm. they don't know the context of what that education so they don't know necessarily that it's mandatory they don't know what was involved um, Mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily feel that they've consented or that they've had an opportunity to consider and then make a decision um even if there is no decision with mandatory education, having that feeling comforts a lot of parents. So I would encourage schools to really consider about their consultation. Um, it is meant to be happening, but I don't, I don't see it happening as much. One, one example with, um, you know, it's, there's a multitude of reasons, but RSE was, was raised quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. A school, so one cohort in a school, there was 35 um, uh, children uh, in a primary school uh, in a class, um, I believe. Um, and uh, no, thirty-two. Sorry, uh, I'll get there. I'll get there. In the Still end. big class as well. <laughs> yeah. No, no problem. I'm just like, wow, what a big class. Yeah, yeah. thirty-two. Thirty-two in the class. Uh, Twenty-five of those children, uh, th- of those children, uh, identify as gypsy room or traveller children, mm-hmm. and all but three of them will not be moving to secondary school, um, and they will mm-hmm. instead be home educated. Um, I mean, this is oh. you know one example. Okay. This isn't necessarily. Um, yes. This is one yeah. example. They they will be home educated. Um, and one of the, the biggest reasons that parents have said is because they aren't comfortable or they don't have the knowledge or the confidence about the content that's being taught in secondary schools. And I think uh. greater outreach, greater earlier intervention from secondary schools and indeed primary schools about what content is going to be taught would help mitigate some of that. Um, you know, I think there's always going to be a little bit of a concern, um, particularly and one really interesting thing that I didn't even consider before. Um, Mm -hmm. in areas where the secondary school is attached to a sixth form because there are no separate sixth forms the the secondary and sixth forms are always linked in those areas yeah Um, so I and then I had heard a parent say you know why would I want my 11 year old daughter going into an environment with 18 year old boys and I I stopped for a moment I thought do you know what I have never thought of that and no I I, I don't have children but Mm. I could imagine that question coming across my mind and, and mm-hmm. thinking oh you know I don't know so I yeah think for, you know I think that there are legitimate True. concerns there about options and parental preference and where they want to send their children and maybe that just isn't the right area um, maybe there's concerns about you know um, you know consent or um, being consulted um, so there's, there's lots of things that we can act upon to try and mitigate it um, but you know I'm I'm really of the belief that I think children are best served in schools 
Um, that might not be a popular uh, position <laughs> for some for some groups. Um, yeah. Um, you know, um, and I and I appreciate that, and I do think you know that there is a difference uh, for some parents who who are you know very keen on home education have a lot of. Uh, experience perhaps their teachers that have been teachers themselves have lots of qualifications um you know there is a case there but i think that for families that that are in that position when they don't choose to be um Mm -hmm. when they feel that that is their only option to keep them and their family safe particularly when as you mentioned you know in in grace's um article around planning you know i've dealt with so many cases now of organized planning objections you know, 300 plus exemptions for a rural planning commission. I mean, you, know, you, you, you can't, from this property, um, you can't see another human being. Um, yeah. So for 300 people to have yeah. objected is, is wow. outrageous. So it, and it's mm. often, and I was looking at one thing today that was on Twitter that, that was very, very open saying, you know, Gypsy and Traveller, do you want Gypsy and Traveller people living near you? Your, you know, your insurance costs are going to go up. Your property prices are going to go down. Oh my gosh! And giving people the details of how to object to the planning, whilst giving wow. away the address of where the planning is going to be. Wow. So it's you know, there's there's a lot of organised hate out there. Yeah. Um, and if you think you know that's 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 what parents are having to deal with on a day to day basis, I think sometimes put yourself in the position of the parents of those gypsy roamer and traveller children. Mm-hmm. I think you know what else might be going on there. Um, nice. And I think, you know, teachers have such a wonderful, unique place where they can have those conversations. They can get that information um, and they can develop, you know, greater understanding of the individual case um, and, and you know, help that inform their decision making and their teaching um, practices when it comes to those children. You know, making sure those children have, you know, a reasonable chance, giving them that extra bit of help. Um, stuff that I know teachers do for for all children but sometimes if you're not aware that those problems exist you're not always looking for it Um, so I think that's why you know engagement like this is really really important. No I think that is important and like you said just giving these children a chance um, you know because even just everything you just said I'm just like it's so sad because already some of the world's already against you and that's not even fair um so just giving these children just an equal chance to you know get out there um but we talk of equal chances um and I work in a pupil referral unit and um exclusions exclusions are a big thing and actually um unfortunately you know we see the statistics for gypsy roman travel communities um exclusions are a big thing have you heard about this then? Oh yes. <laughs> and lots of different kinds of exclusions as well coming yeah. going along with this. Um, which is really sad because actually as well, some parents are not as they don't understand everything that's going on as well. And you know, not all schools, because you know, I'm a teacher, I love schools. Um, but you know, some schools can be quite sneaky with things and how they are done, even um, you know, obviously we don't I don't hear about this anymore, but you know. Growing up, I'd hear about Ofsteads coming in and then certain children would be excluded for a bit of time or they'd be sent to another room and, you know, but actually I'm reading, when I look at statistics and, you know, just information about um, Gypsy Roman Traveller communities and exclusions, it doesn't look too good. Sorry, Jacqueline. No, yeah. it, it doesn't. Um, and you're completely on the on the nail there and it's... 
I understand things that, you know, some, sometimes things are difficult with schools. I've taken part in, in exclusions um, myself um, uh, in, you know, in decision-making and things like that. And it is, it is very challenging. It, it is difficult to balance the needs of, you know, one people with the needs of the other people. So I, I, I you know, I, I can see, I can appreciate that. But I think the stats speak for themselves. When you are you know, four times more likely as an Irish traveller to be excluded than any other ethnic group, or you know, or the, the you know the the the, um, the national average, mm-hmm. that is you know that that is staggering. Um, it really is staggering, and, and you're you're completely right about the different types of exclusion as well. I'm not talking just temporary exclusions or you know, fixed mm-hmm. term or permanent exclusions. I'm talking about the kind of there seems to be a development in ways that schools can exclude or use exclusionary practices for children that just kind of they they kind of grow and develop um and become less and less obvious so you know we Mm. we know that reporting of 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 temporary exclusions or permanent exclusions is quite strong those those have to be reported Mm -hmm. Um, off rolling used to be a way you know i can tell you so many stories of parents you know being given paperwork in kfc car parks and, and the like to off-roll their child to elect for home education um not necessarily even being told what that piece of paper means sometimes i've had parents that can't read and write being told just to sign this uh and then all of a sudden their child is no longer at roll on that school um, completely unlawful practices yeah we're seeing a, a movement into um what people are calling so we have informal exclusions where things are very you know they're just done kind of under the table and they kind of follow a process but don't really then we have um, what people are calling quasi exclusions which those are things like isolation rooms um Ah. where you know children are being placed and we've we've had some really really great guidance that i helped campaign for um Mm -hmm. about the restriction in the guidance of how when children should be sent to those rooms and i think that's a really promising move i don't always say that about the department for education but that's (laughs) a very very promising move um controlling the reasons why children can go out of class because instead of those children going home those children were just sat in a room in a box near enough um and missing out on their day-to-day education i've had cases where children have been placed in there for you know i've had i've had children in exclusion i think the longest case i've had uh in ice in inclusion sorry was about 18 months before it came what no yep Yep. oh my gosh i've had children sat on the floor They've not even been given a table or a chair for weeks on end. Um, these are often also these are often sometimes these are happening not in the isolation room. These can actually be happening in staff offices. So they'll be sat in an office without a window. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I've had cases and the schools have you know admitted to this in you know, some of the extreme cases where children mm-hmm. haven't been allowed to go out to the toilet or haven't been allowed to go out for lunch because they're in a card secured part of the building um and they don't have a card um so um and they, they often get forgotten about so some of this treatment can be can be very very damaging and again i come back and i say i understand the point about managing the needs of, of you know the one against the many but we do have to be realistic we do have to be sensible in how those things are done um, mm-hmm. one last thing on on, on exclusions um yeah, for, please. for me and that it's kind of evolution of exclusion is something that I've really tried to push and kind of coin the term for which is constructive exclusion and that the simplest way to explain it is um, if you think of constructive dismissal so your employer hasn't told you to go they haven't sacked you 
that they've made your work environment so that you no longer feel you're able to work. Ah, I know what you mean. You, yeah. you leave yourself. So that's that's the kind of yeah. legal definition. And that applies to exclusion. It's something we see a lot with Gypsy Roman Traveller. So although schools are cautious about making those decisions on exclusions, particularly ones okay. that have to be recorded, and thankfully isolation rooms should now be recorded um, yeah. uh, moving forward, and we would I would encourage schools to really make sure they're capturing ethnicity when they're doing that and make sure that they mm. are making sure that those rooms are being used proportionately um, um, as little as often uh, if at all but proportionately if not um, and so for, for constructive exclusion we see it I see it so many times with gypsy roman traveler parents particularly when bullying isn't being dealt with which we've already discussed um, you know children are being you know horrifically bullied teachers aren't necessarily recognizing that this is a, a big deal and that mm -hmm. this is a racism matter um, um, and therefore parents say, well, why aren't you doing anything about it? They pull their children out of school and then we end up with um, children out of school for longer periods of time than, than necessary, um, um, or, or, you know, shouldn't be at all. We see a similar yeah. trend when it comes to special educational needs. Children, I've had a particular case um, last year with um, a boy who moved up into secondary school. Um, yeah. He had an EHCP um so you know quite well known needs um and um he didn't receive any of his provisions at secondary school not a single one no speech Ooh. and language no art therapy no counseling nothing um he was uh, that's not good he was physically attacked in the classroom and teachers refused to get involved because of covid um this case dated back when before i took it on and this child was then out of school for quite a long period of time before i got involved and mm -hmm. trying to fight for his EHCP to be actually upheld, going to a Senate tribunal, trying to find the right school was exhausting um, because it just felt like everything was against you. And I'm not necessarily just talking about schools, um, although this school was particularly challenging, but also in local authorities. And, and that period of time that this child spent out of school, he was on register, he was on roll, so he shouldn't mm -hmm. be at school. Um, but mum didn't feel that he was safe in school because he'd been physically attacked there was no repercussions for any of the attacks that took place oh i see and the 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 send the, the the ehcp provisions still refused to be given um so you know why would you send your child in that case into a school that you know they're not going to be safe or or catered for in so i think that's really really important yeah. to take in you know take into account and those are the parents that fall victim to school attendance orders though and and fines um and things um and that's really difficult that's really difficult to watch that is, but surely they have a case as well because they can you know be like they well they do i like to they have a case they absolutely so there's a massive difference between having a case <laughs> and actually being able to take it forward yeah so, okay yeah you know, it's something you. that i love doing I, I you know i give my advice and i have you know a great panel of, of specialists behind me solicitors and barristers um mm -hmm. um and you know lots of friends in the industry we are able to give that amazing support free of charge but if you don't know that that support's there and that support isn't commonplace you know the the, the job i do isn't isn't everywhere mm -hmm. that isn't widely widely used there often isn't that support there isn't that guidance because when the school are telling you one thing and the local authority are backing them up and you don't know where to turn um, you know, I've had people phone me up and they've physically been in court 
and they've not been able to find any support, any help. There isn't any um, legal aid help available for school yeah. attendance orders or school fines. Um, there often isn't wow. access to representation if you're going to magistrate's court um, because mm. they'll, they'll consider it, you know, a, a too lesser of a crime to warrant um, the, the the support. So finding that support, even when you've got a really strong case, is very very challenging. Oh, I can I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Actually, and I'm sure I can mention this. Um, you know, you spoke about finding the support, and you know it hard it's being hard to get you know legal representation and stuff where can people find support um and you can say where can they actually find that support yeah so um i, I offer a, a casework service through um, my employer the traveler movement um so they can contact me um um contact you know i, I would encourage parents to contact whoever they can mm-hmm. um if they're a gypsy room or traveler organization reach out you know, I get referrals from other organisations on education matters. I get referrals from local law centres, um, from schools, you know, you know, teachers, amazing teachers like yourself. And I'm sure other ones listening, um, you know, who know what I do um, or know what organisations like the Travel Movement do will, you know, say, you know, why don't you check out this website? Or why don't you give this, you know, this, this all a, a call? Um, but always, always reach out for support. Even if it's just a question, you're not quite sure if you're in the right or you're in the wrong or what you can do. Always, I would encourage every parent to reach out for support. And I would encourage teachers to encourage parents to reach out for support as well, because often that support acts as a bridge. Um, Mm. And it's not an admission that you or your school or the local authority or anyone is failing. Um, it's, uh, It's using a tool to make sure that that child has the best chance to stay in school to stay in education, to have a good, positive experience um, and leave with some great results. Thank you. Thank you for those great points there. And I, actually, you made, made me think about, like, if you have a question, to ask that question. And I can see that Tom has got a question here. And I don't know if you can see it, but he said, what if the student students make it impossible for the teacher to do their job and they have to leave? Is that also constructive exclusion? I mean... In a situation where, and I'm, I'm assuming this would be probably behaviour based, if a, if a pupil is is behaving so poorly that they you know they are unable to be taught or controlled or or catered for in the school, um, you know I would obviously encourage every single option to be to be used student services, um, inclusion services, um, you know local authority services, reach out to organisations. Um, in in the GRT sector or um, other you know kind of local services use those to try and help that child Um, but I think it would be unusual for uh, a student not to come in if I suppose it's kind of a little bit of a a fallacy that question in the sense that a teacher would would be able to do their job if that child wasn't in Um, so if they aren't in then it kind of doesn't work but um, mm. I see. I see where the teacher's coming from, but I would. I would mm-hmm. expect you know a, a behaviour policy to be followed, and if that if that does mean permanent exclusion, um, then mm-hmm. you know, as much as it breaks my heart to say, um, <laughs> it might have to. Yeah, that 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 sometimes is the only option in very 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 serious cases. Yeah, I would only expect to see that if the school has tried absolutely everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say constructive exclusion necessarily works the other way round. Um, 
Um, it's okay. a bit like saying you're, um, you know, you're winding your employer up so much that you, you like, you leave. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it just, that wouldn't necessarily work. It would normally be the other way around if the student is, you know, it could be a case that the student is, you know, not being very, very well behaved. Um, and therefore, you know, your response to that maybe isn't, isn't quite as good as it could be or well thought as it could be. Um, mm. And you know, the majority of the constructive exclusion cases that I've dealt with are very clear. They're very clear that the, this it is about schools having not done what they should have done to safeguard that child or to, to meet the provision needs of that child. Um, and that is always very evidenced. I, you know, I don't work on you know assumption. Um, there is always okay, evidence yeah. gathered in those in those situations that would that would you know evidence that the school and you know I can't count the number of apologies I've I've gotten for clients in addition to mm -hmm. their to their you know outcomes from schools who have just put their hands up and said look I, we we've made a mistake and I think whilst it's disappointing that mistakes are made and again yeah. I really really want to emphasize especially with this audience that this <laughs> isn't about you know witch hunt for teachers we don't I don't want that in the slightest. Um, yeah. My mantra, you know, at my school that I'm a trustee of is that we win together and we fail together. Um, I'm not mantra. here to, 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 to shout at anyone or to have a pop at anyone or to, you know, to, to you know, make someone feel small. We, we, we will succeed together. And I think that needs to be the same with this. If you have made a mistake, pop your hands up, try and fix it. And remember that every child could potentially fall through the gap. And Gypsy Room and Traveller children are unfortunately statistically the most likely to fall through that gap. Um, so yeah. any effort that you can do, and you know there, are, you know this is you know partly a legal duty. I don't want to push teachers into a corner and remind them of the law, but um, you yeah, know, under the public sector equality duty, it is your duty as as a as a member of staff, as a as a senior yeah. leader, as a head teacher, to to make sure that that gap is closed. Um, yes, and that yeah. you know discrimination isn't happening, um, and to to try and decrease those those gaps um, on attainment um, and and all the things that Shanique has been so wonderfully giving out the stats for um, in this session thanks thanks no um honestly you've you've been amazing because I've learned uh, so much and you give me quite a lot to think about and I can imagine lots of other educators uh, things to think about and at the end of the day like you said um, you know any child and every child could fall through that gap we don't want that um, you know, there are specific ethnic groups who are falling through um, in quite a big way. And we just don't want that. Um, so we have to think, how can we make things better? And actually, there are quite a few things today you said, and I was like, oh, that surely can't be happening. Oh, my gosh. Wow. No. Uh, but these things are happening. They, you know, they are happening. So this, you know, discussions like this is so important. Um, so thank you thank you thank you so much Declan like oh my gosh we've been talking so much I can see our time <laughs> it's like basically thank time you to you I really want to thank you Shaniqua because oh, you've me. been so passionate about this subject um and I've oh. I have had the pleasure of meeting Shaniqua in person at um, a, a conference that I was delivering on this very topic yeah. and her passion and enthusiasm for this has has oh. really brought this forward so I want to say a massive thank you for for, for giving me the platform to, to come on and, and discuss these points and I hope that you know the listeners have, have taken away and, and used your session and uh, this session as something that's going to be really positive moving forward oh thank you so much I appreciate that and I just think 
you know, representation does matter. And I feel so strongly about that. But then I don't think just my what, my representation matters. I feel like <laughs> there's quite a lot of representation that does matter. But I feel all like representation we, we, matters. Yeah. that's it. All representation yeah. matters. Um, but we need to take the time to educate ourselves. No one's going to be an expert at everything. We need to take the time to educate ourselves. And I think just by anyone who's chosen to listen to this podcast today, uh, you've taken the time to you know educate yourself and uh like i said i am very happy to go over anything with anyone um you can tweet me at seh miss uh you can tweet us at tt radio official and um let us know what you thought of this show and you can tweet declan let's see if he knows his twitter handle does he I've know it that it's at deck <laughs> underscore odriscoll without the apostrophe Yes, love it, love it. Okay, Teclan, I'm still going to do this because I want to end our show in this way. And for those of you who do listen regularly, I always end by asking my guest who is their favourite fictional teacher. And we've had um, quite the range. Um, so I'm interested to hear who you've chosen, Declan. Uh, it's, it's not a great one. Um, oh. <laughs> it's not a great oh. one at all. Um, <laughs> you should see my head go, went down when you said that. I was like, oh. oh like, <laughs> no. no, 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 probably, I'm excited. She's go not on. very aspirational. Um, I wouldn't okay. like to see anyone following her footsteps, but I would say Miss Agatha Trunchbull from Matilda would be my favourite teacher. Um, and I'll tell you the reason why very quickly. Um, okay, go on. I, I, I love the musical. I love the film. Um, I love the musical film that came out recently. Um, but it was oh. also the last show that um, my school um, in Fareham did, um, which mm-hmm. was Matilda the Musical. And the girl that played um, Miss Trunchbull was absolutely spellbinding. She was amazing. Um, so I think she kind of reignited my love for that kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, kind of evil head teacher, Pam Ferris um, sort <laughs> of person. So, you know, I, I love that question. And uh, I'm afraid it would be Miss Trunchbull. Okay, no, that's fine. We'll take Miss Trunchbull. We'll take Miss. Actually, Miss Honey is banned, so we'll take Miss Trunchbull because, um, yeah, Miss Honey. There were so many reasons, uh, but she was too nice. That was another thing. She was too nice. So you've gone for the total opposite. Nice. Yeah, yeah, she was Declan. She was taking kids home. Well, she took one child home. Um, <laughs> but let me not get this done. <laughs> Let me not get the started. Uh, but yeah, also please do tweet me who's your favourite fictional teacher at SEH Miss. Um, it's been a pleasure again, Declan, to have you on. Um, and, you know, don't be a stranger. Uh, you're always welcome on Teachers Talk Radio. So don't be a stranger. And thank you again. Um, and thank you to everyone who's been listening. And I'll see you again next month. And we'll talk to each other next month. Have a great evening, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.